With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to Let's Ride. That's your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host here, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And today we are spending this Wednesday, it's hump day, talking about the Ravens. I understand that it's Wednesday and typically I spend about half of the show talking about the last game and the other half talking about the upcoming game. And I'll mention things like we're going to turn the page and we're going to make sure that we still cover last game. Well, you know what? This is Ravens week. This is Ravens week, people. And for me, living in the state of Maryland, about an hour out of Baltimore, this is a little bit more than just a rivalry game. I mean, if you think about it, uh, where where I work, who I live near, you see these flags all the time. Now, I will say, and I know that Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield, we all live in the same town. We will attest that there are a significant number of Steeler fans in and around our area. Shockingly enough, a lot of people don't realize this unless you're actually talking to people that grew up in and around Baltimore and Maryland. When the Baltimore Colts left in the middle of the night, Mayflower trucks came in and they literally just said, we're out of here. First, I don't blame them. Second, what did the fans do? Well, some fans became Washington fans or at the time, Redskin fans. Some fans followed the Indianapolis Colts. They followed the Colts to Indianapolis. But there were a lot of people in Maryland that said, I still, I still want to be able to watch a team every Sunday. And the, the games that they got at that point were the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so a lot of Pittsburgh Steeler fans were then born and bred, so to speak, in this area. But still, Ravens Week is different for me. It is totally different. Outside of the fact that I now reside in Maryland, this week, and I should say these weeks, plural, because they're going to play again on Thanksgiving night at Heinz Field, which is going to be awesome. These weeks mean so much more. Not only is it a division game, but these two teams are the epitome, in my opinion, of an NFL rivalry. And there was a time when this rivalry was the best. And some people said it is the best in all of sports, at least when it comes to intensity. It was more intense than Yankees-Red Sox. It was more intense than Duke-North Carolina. It was more intense than Washington, Philly, the New York Giants versus the Dallas Cowboys. It was the rivalry. When you saw this game being played, a couple things were guaranteed. Number one, it was going to be a primetime game. Number two, there were going to be some hard hits. And number three, if you like offensive games, you probably shouldn't watch because these were defensive slugfests. And so what I want to do in this first segment is I want to talk about how I feel like this rivalry has been renewed. We're going to dive back into the old treasure chest of the history with this these two teams. And then in the second segment, I really want to focus on Lamar Jackson. 
the guy that I feel is the linchpin, not just for the Baltimore Ravens, but in this upcoming game on Sunday. One o'clock, M&T Bank Stadium, Baltimore, Maryland. I know that we're all super jacked up for it. But this rivalry, Ravens, Steelers, think about the moments. My gosh, we're going to talk about that in a second. But the moments, so good. Let's look at the history, okay? Talk about even. History, overall record, 28-24 and in favor of Pittsburgh since this rivalry began. The last four games, though, have been very slanted towards Baltimore. Pittsburgh's only won one of their last three. Only won one game of their last three. They got swept last season. Week five, overtime loss at Heinz Field. Well, remember that? Marlon Humphreys punches the ball out of Juju Smith-Schuster's arms. Game over. That was the game that Devlin Hodges took over for Mason Rudolph and almost brought the team back to a win. But they didn't get it done. And then, obviously, in week 17, they, the Baltimore Ravens were able to sit the majority of their starters. They had already locked up their seed in the NFL or the AFC playoff picture. And Robert Griffin III was the quarterback, and he got beat up and bruised. These teams have played three times in the postseason. In 2001, in the divisional round, Pittsburgh Steelers were victors there. Everyone remembers the 2008 AFC Championship game. Obviously, the Steelers won and went on to win the Super Bowl. In 2014, the Steelers hosted the Ravens in the wildcard game, and they lost. I think we all remember that game. That was the game where Terrell Suggs had that really weird, awkward interception. It was just a bad game from the start. Le'Veon Bell was hurt, and it just seemed like it was downhill from there. But when you think about these teams, the one thing that I love about this rivalry is that they these individuals that have worn the colors for their team whether it was Ray Lewis in the black and the purple or Joey Porter in the black and the gold, there was an honest hatred towards the other. And it wasn't hidden. That's the thing. Whether you're talking about the the Ravens and Terrell Suggs admitting that they had a bounty on Heinz Ward. This was before Bounty Gate. This was before all that stuff down in New Orleans happened. It's Joey Porter going onto the Ravens team bus trying to get after Ray Lewis. This is the this is why people love this rivalry because in my opinion it is authentic. It is authentic. The hatred and the disdain for the other team is not fabricated. It is not like you see with these rivalries like I mentioned before the Yankees and Red Sox. Well, that rivalry is so played out in my opinion. Yeah, they don't like each other but it's just not the same. And honestly, if I'm being 100% honest with you the listener, this rivalry lost that in between players like Troy Polamalu and Heinz Ward, but I think it's coming back, and that's what this title is all about. It's a rivalry renewed. A rivalry renewed. Think about some of the names when we think about the, the pinnacle of these two teams. Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed, Holodi Nada. You go into like Derek Mason, Joe Flacco. We know all these names. We could go on and on. Players that were great contributors to that Baltimore Ravens team. And then on the other side, you have Joey Porter, Heinz Ward, Troy Palomalu, Santonio Holmes was always a Ravens killer. He was the guy that always made the play when the Steelers found a way, especially at M&T Bank, to find a way to win. He was always the one with the dagger. Right when you thought you had him, 
He's like a slippery little eel, and he got away. You had Ben Roethlisberger throughout the majority of it, and Antonio Brown, let's not forget, as much as you can't stand the guy, as much as how uh, however horrible it was the way he left Pittsburgh, he too was a Ravens killer in regards to when he played. He played big. He played biggest in those big moments, and he did his fair share of slaying the Baltimore Ravens. But did you know that in Baltimore, they will still do polls in the Baltimore sun and they'll do it on the radio and they're they're like the equivalent of the fan in Pittsburgh. And they will say, who is your most hated Pittsburgh Steeler? And this will happen to this day, 2020. And Heinz Ward will still be the top vote getter, no matter what. They cannot stand Heinz Ward in Baltimore and Maryland. And if you're a Ravens fan, they just hate his guts. They hate that they hated the cheap shots. They hated when he laid out Ed Reed when he went after Heinz Ward. They they cut they say he was the dirtiest player to ever play the game. And then on the flip side of that, Steeler fans love Heinz Ward for the cheap shot on, on Ed Reed. <laughs> the, the going after Heinz, uh, going after uh, Ray Lewis and all the other things, and his smile was always on his face. For every reason that fans hated Heinz Ward, Steeler fans love him and still do to this day. But that was so, those games, I mean, just, I could just name a couple of the moments. I mean, think about the game where Ben Roethlisberger got his nose broken by Haloti Nada. His nose is literally crooked, and they end up winning that football game. I believe it was the same game when Roethlisberger had Terrell Suggs draped all over his back. And he finds a way to get free and left hand shovel passes it to the line of scrimmage to for the incomplete pass. It stops the clock. They didn't have to burn a timeout and they end up winning that game. Whether it's the Santonio San Holmes where Roethlisberger scrambles around, he throws it and the football did it get over the line. He catches it outside, but did it cross over. You think about the immaculate extension with Antonio Brown on Christmas Day at Heinz Field. You think about that 2008 AFC Championship game, whether it was the Willis McGahee hit on Ryan with Ryan Clark, the Troy Polamalu interception that sealed the deal, Troy Polamalu jumping over the line of scrimmage and stopping Joe Flacco, the rookie Joe Flacco on that fourth and one to get a turnover on downs. Maybe it was Polamalu coming off the edge and sacking Joe Flacco and Lamar Woodley picking up the ball and rumbling into the end zone in a game that you never thought the Steelers were ever going to score a touchdown. Uh, I could go on and on and on. And it goes on the other side, too, when Ray Lewis shattered Rashard Mendenhall's shoulder as a rookie. Uh, and, and, and that was the game where Rashard Mendenhall had sent a text to his buddy who played for the Ravens just saying jokingly, like, hey, we're going to beat you all this week. And they, they've used that as a rallying cry. And Ray Lewis made him pay. He made him pay big time. Whether well, it was the game where the Steelers were up 35 to nothing, at halftime, the game where James Harrison laid out Ed Reed on a punt return. I mean, these these things, these we could go on forever. That's what made this rivalry so good. That's what made this rivalry what it is today. And there was a dip. There was a dip when all those players that I mentioned, the Lewises, the Reeds, the Nada, he moves on. Suggs, he stayed there for a long time, and he was kind of like the mainstay. You took it when Porter left and Ward and Palomalu and Holmes. And when they all left, it was just Roethlisberger. It was Flacco. It was Suggs. It, it didn't have that umph anymore. It didn't have that, I don't know, that machismo that you're expecting. 
And all of a sudden you started to hear players talking about, oh, we respect those guys so much. And that's a great rivalry. And we're just happy to be a part of it. And as a fan, I'm sitting there thinking, what is this? What has become of this tremendous rivalry? What are we talking about? There's no way we're talking about Steelers and Ravens. They're complimenting each other. Are you kidding me? Do you think that Joey Porter would ever, with a microphone in front of his face, ever say, boy, I really like those guys over there. They, a lot of respect for them. They're a good team. We're going we're gonna to just do our best. Get out of here. He'd say, we're going to go in there, and we're going to make sure that we send the message. And he would have no problem saying that. But I feel like this year is a little different. It's a little different for a lot of reasons. Unfortunately, with the 2020, with the COVID and all that stuff, and there aren't reporters in the locker rooms with microphones in front of athletes. And so you don't get those Lee Flowers sound bites of paper champions and stuff like that. Because Lee Flowers, if he were on the Steelers right now, would not be put in front of a camera for the media to ask questions via Zoom. He, he wouldn't be one of those players, just like Mason Rudolph wasn't one of those players leading up to the Browns game to answer questions about the Miles Garrett incident. But still, you're going to get a lot of players talking about this game, and you're going to get the stock answers. I don't want to make it sound like you're not. You're going to get the, like the Ben Roethlisberger on, on, uh, today on Wednesday is going to say, eh, you know what, they're a great team. I've got some great memories of playing against them. You're going to get those. But at the same time, don't think that these teams are not chomping at the bit to get to the other. The Steelers are 6-0. The Ravens are 5-1. The Steelers win this game and go to 7-0 and move Baltimore to 5-2. They have a two-game lead and already a head-to-head win. And they would have beaten them in M&T Bank Stadium. It would be a crushing blow to the Baltimore Ravens. If the Ravens win, now all of a sudden they're both 6-1. The Ravens jump over the Steelers. And they now have the head-to-head win, and therefore they would be the top team in the division. Which, by the way, just as a quick sidebar, did you know that no team since the AFC North and the realignment happened in 2001, since that took place, no team that calls the AFC North home has ever won the division three years in a row? Not once. You know who's won it the last two years? The Baltimore Ravens. I have a feeling that that trend will continue, and that the Ravens will not win the AFC North this year. But when you look at the players now, you're talking about Marlon Humphreys, Ingram, Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown. You got the rookie and queen that that Mike Tomlin spoke a lot about when he was in his press conference on Tuesday. Um, You have him talking about Calais Campbell, and Calais Campbell has his own history with the Steelers when he was a part of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then he talked about, you know, all the different challenges with stopping those running backs and then Jackson who can run. And then on Pittsburgh side, you got TJ Watt and Bud Dupree and Vince Williams, Cam Hayward, Stefan to it, just a ferocious defense with Minka Fitzpatrick in the back end. And I don't want to hear people say things like, well, Minka's pretty soft spoken. He's not going to say anything. Troy Polamalu never said anything either, but he let his play on the field do the talking for him, you know? He was the one, and I'll never forget like the, the hit that always stands out. It wasn't even Troy. was Lawrence Timmons. Derek Mason catches a ball. He has to go up, go up and get it, and Lawrence Timmons literally lays him out. That's like that's the hit. That's the hit that epitomizes Raven Steelers. Just like Ravens fans will say, Bart Scott on Ben Roethlisberger, where he it looked like he killed him, would be the hit that epitomizes this. 
but you got Juju Smith Schuster. You, you got he's kind of that Heinz Ward type. You love to hate him type guy. You know, he's smiling, he's dancing, he's doing his celebrations in the end zone. You love to shut him up, but it's not so easy. And then you got the young kids like Chase Claypool, Ben still there, David DeCastro on the line, Marquise Pouncey. There's no love lost here. There's no love lost here. Absolutely not. These two teams can't stand one another. And that's good. That's the way I like it. I can't wait for these players to start talking. And I hope, I hope someone has the cojones and I don't care if it's a member of the Steelers to say what they think. And that is we're going to go into M and T bank and we're going to dominate, or maybe it's, they're going to come in here. We're coming off a buy. We're fresh. We're going to show them who really does run the division. That's what this is all about. Five star matchup. It's basically the third straight game of the week for the Steelers. Yeah, let's make it a hat trick. That's what I say. But when we come back after this break, I want to focus solely on one player, one player, and that's Lamar Jackson. We're going to talk about him in all different facets after this break. Stay tuned. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to part two of this Let's Ride Wednesday podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host here and co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We just talked about the greatness of the Ravens and Steelers rivalry. I'm excited for it to be renewed this Sunday at M&T Bank Stadium. Last year, it definitely was missing something when you think about how they played early on week five and then didn't play again until week 17 And that week 17 game is kind of like what Pittsburgh is hoping will happen to this year's Week 17 game with Cleveland, and that's that it won't matter at all. And I think the Steelers would love to be able to tell Ben Roethlisberger, hey, man, just take this one off. We'll let Mason Rudolph get in there and get some reps because we've already got everything locked up. Our playoff seed's good. We're good. Can't do anything with it. That's what happened to the Ravens last year, and so that game kind of gets thrown out the window. But let's talk about Lamar Jackson here. He is, and I always say this about Ben Roethlisberger, that Ben Roethlisberger is the straw that stirs the Steelers' drink. And I believe that, 100%. But I think that Lamar Jackson is the same for the Ravens. And I would, I, I got to be honest, I looked at his, I've looked at his 2020 statistics. Uh, it's kind of, I don't know. It's it, Some people think that he's kind of banged up. I mean, he missed some practice time with a knee. Some people think he's hurt. And, but his numbers are not really that impressive. Listen to some of these numbers. He has 102 completions on 162 attempts for a 63% completion percentage. He's thrown for 1,135 yards, 10 touchdowns Two. this is, these are throwing by the way, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions for a 99.2 rating. That's not too bad. No, not too bad. However, he's only thrown for over 200 yards in two games. 
That was interesting to me. So in only two games out of six, has Lamar Jackson thrown for over 200 yards? I'm not saying 300. And that's not even a watermark anymore. And there used to be a time, you think back when you know Bradshaw played and Marino was coming into the league. If a quarterback threw for 300 yards, it was headline material. You know, Bradshaw throws for 325 and Steelers dominating win over the whatever team. Now it's like, wow, that guy threw for 350. It's pretty much hmm, ho-hum. It is what it is. It's today's passing league. Lamar Jackson has only thrown over 200 yards twice this season. On top of all of that, Lamar Jackson has been sacked 15 times already through six games. When you talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the top teams in the league in terms of sacking the opposition, that's going to be an important statistic to remember. Keep that in the back of your mind. You know, there's a lot of fans, mainly Baltimore fans. You know, we have our YouTube channel. If you've never followed us on YouTube, you go to YouTube.com and search BTSC Steelers Radio. And we do our afternoon shows completely live. No edits, no cuts live we are streaming it live and on the 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 live streams where we record our audio and then put it on our audio platform the next day is a live chat anyone can join it and you can chime in and you can give everything from donations monetary donations to just your opinion and every single week we'll get some raven fans that come in there and they're jawing off about the rate the steelers haven't played anybody Oh my gosh, the Steelers, they're not even that good. They've only played crap teams. Well, you know what? If you're going to play that game, if you're a Ravens fan listening to this podcast by chance, and you want to play that game, the let's look at the schedule game, well, let's do it for you all as well, shall we? I think this is going to be an interesting exercise. So like I said, the Ravens are 5-1. and one. Can't take that away from them. Like I said about the Steelers, when people complain about who the Steelers have or have not played, You can only play the teams that are lined up in front of you. So I'm not expecting the Ravens to apologize. But at the same time, if fans are going to say, well, the Steelers have had a cakewalk. Well, have the Ravens had a cakewalk? Let's not forget, mind you, that coming into this season, based on 2019 win-loss percentages, the Steelers and the Ravens had the second last and the last toughest schedules in the National Football League. So in other words, to make this a little bit clearer, since I clearly butchered that explanation, was that when it comes to who has the easiest schedule in the NFL based on 2019 winning percentage, it was the Steelers had the set the, the second easiest and the Ravens had the easiest. Keep that in mind. And a lot of that is based off of the divisions that they're paired up against. The NFC East, as we've seen so far this year, is god-awful. The AFC South, who they're paired up with is also not that great. But let's go into the Ravens schedule and let's take a look at what they've done. Week one, home against Cleveland, they win 38 to 6. Then they go on the road to Houston, they win 33 to 16. So you beat Cleveland, that's okay. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good win. Cleveland is not a bad team. They're five and two right now. Playing them in week one, you're not really sure if they've Kind of, you know, they had a brand new head coach and Stefanski, and you're wondering hey, how does that impact a team like that? Baker Mayfield's on his, I think, his fourth offensive playbook in his four years in the league. So you have to wonder, you know, were they getting the Browns the top strength? We know no one will ever know. But then they go down to Houston. They beat Deshaun Watson and company 33 to 16. Bill O'Brien was still in the process of burning the whole thing down on his way out. 
Then Kansas City Chiefs come to Baltimore, and you're thinking this is the first real test for the Ravens. This is it. And they get shellacked. Their doors were blown off. 34-20 to is not really indicative of how bad that game was. The Chiefs dominated in every sense of the word. Every, every facet of that word, domination, they did that to the Baltimore Ravens. Then they go to Washington. They beat the Washington football team 31-17. to It was a rather unimpressive win because I watched that game. And then they go, they ha- they host the Cincinnati Bengals. They beat Joe Burrow and company 27 to three. That was maybe their best performance of the year. And then they go to Philly last week, or I'm sorry, the week prior to their bye, week six, and they win 30 to 28. But Carson Wentz and company almost come back and win the game. If it weren't for some two point conversions, would have been a different outcome. But again, I would say that you think about the teams they've beaten Houston, Washington, Cincinnati, Philly. I can count the wins on those teams' hands on on one uh, the wins total on one hand. So if Ravens fans want to come at Steeler fans, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or on YouTube, they haven't really played anybody yet either. I mean, you think about it. Yeah, they played the Chiefs, got embarrassed. The Steelers have played the Browns. Steelers have played the Titans. Win win. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. But I want to go back through that schedule that I just talked about, and I want to talk about how Lamar Jackson did in each game because I think that's really important here when we're talking about Lamar Jackson being the straw that stirs that Ravens drink. In Cleveland in week one, he threw for 275 yards and ran for 45. Okay, so that's one of the games that he threw for over 200. Then he goes to Houston. He throws for 204, rushes for 54. That's the second game that he threw for over 100. Now, that's week one and week two. If you listen to what I said earlier, he only did it twice. That means that the other four games, he doesn't reach 200. So if we're looking at the most recent Lamar Jackson, it's the the Lamar Jackson that can't throw for 200 yards in a game. Let's continue. Kansas City Chiefs come into town. He throws for 97 yards and rushes for 83. I'll say that again in case you misheard me. He throws for 97 yards and runs for 83. They go to Washington. You're thinking you like this matchup. 193 yards and 53 yards rushing. Then against Cincinnati. Now, he didn't have to play the whole game, but he only threw for 180. He only had three rushing yards. There's no need to run. They were dominating the game. And in Philly, he threw for 186 and rushed for 108. So, I mean, my gosh, again, I can't stress this enough. We're looking at a guy that is considered, he's an MVP, not considered. He was the MVP and he's dynamic. He's as dynamic as it comes. And Mike Tomlin talked about it on Tuesday. He talked about how you have to defend him as a passer, as a play extender, and as a runner because they will have designed runs for him. And so he is. So dynamic. He reminds me of Michael Vick when Michael Vick was in his prime. Michael Vick was the guy that when he came to Pittsburgh, everyone talked about, you got to cone him in. You can't let him get break contain. Lamar Jackson will find a hole right up the gut and take it 80 yards to the house. He's done it before. He's done it this season. I'm not trying to say that Lamar Jackson is not good here. I'm just trying to put some context to Lamar Jackson as it pertains to the Steelers defense that they're going to face on Sunday. Lamar Jackson is dangerous. He is, in my opinion, one of the, if not the most dangerous offensive players in the National Football League today. 
you have to have your entire game plan based around stopping him. But what I'm seeing in terms of these numbers, yeah, it's a 5-1 and one record, and that looks great. They're not winning because of Lamar Jackson. They might be winning despite Lamar Jackson. And I know a lot of people that are diehard Ravens fans. I'm talking about the equivalent of all those that listen to this podcast at readbehindthesteelcurtain.com that know the roster up and down. They are the same way with the Ravens, and they say there's something wrong with Lamar. They don't know what it is. Like I said, there's a lot of people that think he's hurt. There's a lot of people that think that he's dealing with some type of ailment that is keeping him from being the same player he was last year. But we think I think we can all agree based on the fact that he's only thrown for over 200 yards two times this season, that if you're going to beat Lamar Jackson, you're going to beat the Ravens, you have to force him to be a thrower. You have to force him to throw the ball to beat you. And he's done it before. I'm not here to say that this is the cure-all for beating the Ravens. You just have to do this, and you're going to win. No, because it's not that easy. If it were that easy, Lamar Jackson wouldn't be a starting quarterback. He'd be out of the league. But if you have the if you're gonna put your if you're gonna put everything into one basket, all your eggs into one basket to try to win this game, then what you're gonna put them in is we need to stop the run and force Jackson to beat us through the air. Another strange caveat here to the Lamar Jackson Steelers conundrum is this. He's been in the league now for three years and only played the Steelers as a starter once. He's only played the Steelers as a starter once. He played sparingly as a rookie. They would put him in for Joe Flacco. It, he didn't play well against Pittsburgh when he was in there. And then last year in 2019, he only played against them once because, like I said earlier, he didn't play in that Week 17 game. That was RG3. So let's go back to that Week 5 game in 2019, the only time he played against the Steelers, and that was a Ben Roethlisberger-less Steelers team, mind you. That was Mason Rudolph who got the start. And a lot of people, myself included, said that that was probably Rudolph's best start. And it was a shame that he was knocked out of the game. That was the game that, um, oh my goodness, the safety that's no longer with the team. His name is escaping me. I apologize. I'll think of it here shortly. Um, he came up, hit him high. He was unconscious on the field. And that's when Devlin Hodges came in. So Lamar Jackson in week five of 2019, he went 19 of 28. He threw for 161 yards, a 5.8 yard average. He threw one touchdown. He threw three interceptions. He was sacked five times and had a 54.9 rating. He ran the ball 14 times for 70 yards, a five-yard average, and four of those runs were for first downs. That's important to me. You think about those quarterback scrambles on third downs that they are, or anytime they're able to get a new set of downs when he runs. So the one time, that Lamar Jackson's played against the Steelers did not go well. It did not go well. They did win the game. But like I've been saying about a lot of these wins that the Ravens, Ravens have had this year, is it seems like they're winning despite him and not because of him. Lamar Jackson is going to have a lot of things going his way on Sunday when they play at home. They're coming off a bye week. But the one thing he doesn't have going his way is experience. He does not have experience playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Baker Mayfield has more experience going against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And to be honest with you, Lamar only has one more game than Joe Burrow as a starter. And Joe Burrow hasn't even played the Steelers yet. So Lamar Jackson, yeah, you can watch film all you want. 
You can watch film of what TJ Watt likes to do if he's lined up in the middle of the defense, but you don't know until you're out there and you're facing it. You just don't know. So he does not have that going for him. Does this mean the Steelers should have some success on Sunday? I think it will. I think it does lead to success. Does it lead to a win? That I don't know. You have to tune in on Friday for my picks for that. What a tease. What a tease, man. But you all should be excited for this game. I'm really excited for this game. I think the Steelers have been primed for this. Mike Tomlin was asked, you know, the fact that you've played these big games, you think Cleveland two weeks ago, Tennessee last week, and this week against Baltimore, is it going to change? Is it going to help your team? Is it going to help your team? He said, look, ah, maybe in terms of preparation and maybe in terms of the players, maybe not being so anxious or nervous if they're a young player that hasn't really been in that spotlight before. He said, but ultimately, when they get on the field, it's not going to matter. But this game is gigantic. This game is gigantic. So make sure wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, you name it, find Behind the Steel Curtain, follow us so that you don't miss a thing. Not only my Monday, Wednesday, Friday Let's Ride podcast, but also all of our afternoon shows, the live mic on Tuesday morning, the Steelers Dad Geek on Thursday morning, and a slew of content throughout the week. My injury report podcast in the afternoon, my Mike Tomlin recaps on Tuesday, you just don't want to miss a thing. So follow us wherever you get your podcast. And then obviously behind the steel curtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers leading up to this gigantic game, man, it's going to be a good one. I thank you for listening. Thank you for hopefully following the show and keep coming back on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. to at least listen to my show. I really appreciate that. If you do in the meantime, folks, be safe, be kind and God bless those Steelers.